Good morning, friends. Let's stand up and get ready to praise the Lord, for he's doing a new thing. We got a birthday this morning, a one-year-old birthday. Wandering into the night, wanting a place to hide this weary soul, this backbone. With all of my might, but I just can't win the fight. I'm slowly drifting, a vagabond. And just when I ran out of the road, I met a man I didn't know, and he told me.
I'm so glad that you're all here this morning. Good morning. My name is Kathy Connor. I'm one of the pastors at First Pres, and I want you to give yourself the gift of this time and rest in the goodness of God. In Psalm 103, verse 5, God says, I want to satisfy you with good things. I want to make you soar like an eagle. God wants to set us free from our striving, the striving of this past week. He doesn't want you to plod into Monday or be down about Monday. No, he wants you to soar like an eagle on Monday morning because you were here soaking up his love, his goodness for you, and the supernatural energy that he gives to each one of us when we lean in. God knows how much we need it, right? Yeah. If you're new to First Pres, we're so glad that you would join us this morning, and we want you to know that we would love to serve you in any way that we can. If you would, please fill out the Connect card on our website after worship, or you can scan this QR code. It will take you directly to the card. Why do that? Because it gives us the chance to reach out to you, to respond to any prayer requests that you might have, to help you feel connected in to this church family, to make you even feel more at home. We would love to do that for you. Please pray with me now. Heavenly Father, we need this hour with you because we know, Lord, that this last week and the week before and the week before that, we have been striving. Thank you, God, that you want to set us free from that. Thank you, Lord, that this is the place where you fill us up and satisfy us with your goodness. And then you set us free to soar like an eagle. Oh, Lord, we need that. We need your energy replacing what's left over from what we've spent this past week. That's no way to operate. That's no way to go into a Monday, much less the rest of this day. Lord, would you help us? Would you help us to pay attention to the words we're singing and the sermon that we will hear all designed to help us to draw near to you and then draw from you real life? Would you help us, Lord? Lord, we also ask that you would come around people that we love and know and some that we don't know, but that you love and cherish who are struggling, who are sick, who need you desperately. This morning, we lift up the people of Ukraine and we ask, oh God, that you would save them, that you would bring them into a place of freedom. Oh God, that you would even bring them joy in the midst of this disaster and chaos because you do that. We pray that they would re be received in the arms of loving Christians and others as they come across those borders and that you would help us find a way to love and care for them as well. I pray that through this disaster, they will come to know you as a loving, providing father. Lord, we also continue to pray for Jackie Faircloth 
asking, oh God, that you would continue to whisper into her heart your love, your goodness, that you are her good, good father. Lord, we've been praying for her for several years now, knowing, Lord, that she knows that you are as near as her breath. Sustain and care for her family as they care for her. Heavenly Father, we also continue to lift up Joanne Harvey's family and the loss of Joanne and ask that you would wrap your loving arms around them as they grieve her loss. We thank you for our friends, Lord, that are doing so well, recovering from and in remission from cancer. We thank you, Lord, for Hank Floyd, who is with us this morning, his wife Jane, who we pray for because she now has a broken shoulder from a fall just two days ago. We're asking that you just fill her with your goodness and heal her, Lord Jesus. We thank you for the good progress of Jamie Atkinson and all our friends, James Canali and others, Lord, who are in your loving care. And so that's our stance with you this morning. We place ourselves into your loving care in this hour. Launch us now, Lord, to soar like eagles, just as you promise. In Christ's name we pray with gratitude. Amen. As usual, our director of children's ministry, Rachel Godin, is up to something really good for your children, and she's here to tell you about it right now. Hi everyone, it's Rachel Godin here, your children's ministry director, with some very important upcoming events and dates for you to add to your calendar. First off, we have Kamina Camp, a fun four-hour workshop held right at my house for all second through fifth graders to learn all about communion. We have a great time together doing hands-on activities and diving deep into scripture to really capture the meaning of the Lord's Supper. There are two convenient dates, April 2nd and April 24th, with two different time frames. So please go to our website and sign up today. Just don't do it during the sermon. Another important date is our VBS registration, which opens this Tuesday, March 22nd at 11 a.m. We have 100 spots available for your sweet, beautiful children, and I can't wait for them to come right here the week of July 25th through the 29th. It's for ages 4 to 11, and our VBS has just grown to be one of the most special weeks of the summer. So please don't miss out and set your alarms for this Tuesday to sign them up. And don't think you're getting off the hook that easy, parents. Because also on Tuesday, March 22nd at 11, the volunteer registration form opens. There are not limited spots to this registration, but I know that we need 30 of you to make it happen. So please consider taking some time off during the week of the 25th through the 29th. Give us a couple mornings, five mornings, whatever you can do to help serve this VBS, we would greatly appreciate. So that form will be up and running on our website on Tuesday as well. Thank you so much. Those are just a couple of important dates we have going on right now, but I can't wait to see what God has in store for Crew Children's Ministry in 2022. This is truly a place where children radically experience worship. I'm thinking you found yourself on that list somewhere. <laughs> yep. I'm always so excited about Easter Sunday, but this year 
more than ever because we are going to have Easter Sunday worship at, wait for it, wait for it. You can say it out loud. Where? You got it. (laughs) We're going to be at Plant High School for 10 a.m. Easter Sunday worship. There's 600 seats in the auditorium, y'all. Parking is easy. Rachel Godin, who you just heard from, is planning a spectacular Sunday morning experience for children. But here's the thing. I, I want to invite each of you, including myself, to think of someone to invite to come to Plant High School for Easter Sunday. When I think about it, if I really believe in the hope of the resurrection, and if I really care about this friend, why wouldn't I invite them to come and hear a story that could change their life now and forever, right? So let's all be praying and thinking of someone. I can't wait to do that too. I don't even know who yet I'm going to invite. But I'm thinking about it. I'm praying about it. On Sunday mornings, many times, it's been standing room only. And maybe you've been one of the ones stuck in the back standing throughout the service. Well, we want to make more room for you and for you to be able to invite friends comfortably. So we are launching next Sunday, the 27th of March, two worship services, one at 9 a.m., And the second one at 10.45 a.m. for those of you who prefer to sleep in a little bit longer. We're going to make those services identical with children. Everything will happen just the same at both services. But we also reached out to middle school families uh, and decided upon 9 a.m. for loop, which is what we do with middle school students on Sunday mornings. In order to make this happen, we need more folks on our dream team. And if you would like to, just go to our website and look for a place where you can serve, maybe usher, greet, park cars, just like the sweet, fun people that you met as you came in this morning. It would help immeasurably, and it would make Sunday mornings so rich because of all of you. In the midst of all the chaos in the Ukraine, God is making a way for us as a church to respond with our love and our compassion to provide basic survival needs. We are partnering with other churches on the ground in Ukraine and in the surrounding countries that are receiving refugees in order to help care for these families, for these children. Your generosity will translate into food, shelter, medicine, diapers, and all kinds of needs that these families desperately need. If you go to our website, you will find all the ways that you can bring your care and your love with your financial assistance. You probably feel the way I do, that this is an incredible privilege and honor to express the love of Jesus in this way, right? This morning, I have the honor of introducing someone to you that we have been loving and praying for for over five years now. Our friend Hank Floyd, who found out he had multiple myeloma five years ago, uh, realized, and we remembered together, that that was also the last time that he sang in this church five years ago. Now he's in remission, and we are celebrating that good news And I want you to know that Hank's dad was a country music singer and that 
Hank loves to sing country music too, and he loves Jesus. And so he's going to offer all of this as his thanksgiving to God and his love for you. So Hank. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. Just the other night at a hometown football game, my wife and I ran into my old high school plane. And as I introduced them, the past came back to me and I couldn't help but think of the way things used to be she was the one that I had wanted for all time and each night I'd spend praying that God would make her mine and if he'd only grant me this wish I'd wish back then I'd never ask for anything again. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs. And just because he doesn't answer doesn't mean Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. She wasn't quite the angel that I'd remembered in my dreams. And I could tell the time that changed her in my eyes to it seemed. And it, oh, I forgot the words. <laughs> I guess the good Lord knows what he's doing after all. And as she walked away, well, I looked at my wife. And then and there I thank the good Lord for the gifts in my life. Sometimes. And just because he doesn't answer doesn't mean he don't care. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered. Some of God's greatest gifts are too often unanswered. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. so much. It's been a while. Thank you.
Friends, in Proverbs 16, 9, it says, the mind of a person plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And like that song, how wonderful it is to know that the Lord knows us better than we know ourselves. And he truly knows the desires of our hearts. So as we continue to stand and sing and worship, yeah, back up, <laughs> getting those glutes worked out this morning. Um, and as we continue to worship, um, he invites us, the Lord invites us to say, Lord, I trust you because you are a good foundation. And Lord, lead me because everything that is of you is good. And everything that I have is because of you. So let's sing together.
so grateful for your love this morning. God, as we quiet our hearts and prepare our hearts to hear your word, Lord, we just place before you any worries, any anxiety, any anxiousness, God. We know you see the big picture, whatever's going on in our lives, Lord, you see it. And I thank you that we can trust you, Lord. We choose to put our trust in you, Lord. And I know that you bring joy to our lives, God, as we trust you. God, you know best, and so today we give you our hearts again, Lord. We love you so much, and we trust you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. I'm, I'm a little under the weather. I have the flu, and so I snuck in. Just now, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to sneak out, which is hard for me because I love you and I want to hang out, but it's not the coroni. <laughs> Start on Wednesday. I'm hacking up green stuff. That's too much detail. <laughs> I want you to know I feel so bad that I group, group need the people I normally play golf with on Sunday and bowed out a little while ago. That's bad if I feel that bad because I could ride a cart and still swing, but I don't even feel good enough to do that. But it was too hard for Kathy to try to do what I'm doing this morning. And, and we just, it, it was just in the middle of the night when I realized I can't do it, but I got to do it anyway. Anyway, that's enough of that. I'm going to start with a joke. You ready for a good joke? <clears throat> Scientists, all kinds of really bright people, having a meeting. They call God to the meeting. You got astrophysicists and genetic biologists and all these people. And they call God to the meeting and say, God, we've been working on this a long time. This is sort of where we are. We, we figured out how to create life, and so we're basically, we just don't need you anymore. And God just goes, really? Man, tell me more. What, what, what's the deal? And he said, well, you know, we just sort of take matter, and we shoot all electrons and all this stuff, and it's too complicated to explain, but we can, that's what we do, and we can make life. And God said, I would really love to see that happen. And the scientists said, okay. Send a scientist bends over to grab some dirt, and God said, get your own. <laughs> so what, what this is about is pretty simple. Christians, followers of Jesus, listen carefully. God owns it. All. God owns it all. It's that simple. We take care of it. We manage it. We steward it. It does not belong to us. It all belongs to God. Now, I don't know how it happened. Because these scientists can tell you how. And, of course, they debate how. But they can't tell you who, and they cannot tell you why. God owns it all. The reason the trellis is next to me is this. If God owns it all, and he does, budgets, you didn't hear that, see that one coming, did you? Budgets become a spiritual discipline. And when I say budget, I mean how much do I have and what am I going to do with it? And then 
set that up. In a, use a spreadsheet if you have to. If you don't know how to use one, Tony Haroon, CFO, will help you. And you budget. And that's where we're headed today. God owns it all. And if that's the case, and it is for Jesus followers, our budgets are a spiritual discipline. Soak on that. It's just so true. It's a truth, friends, that's like gravity. God owns it all. You can't break that law. You can break yourself against it, however. And we don't want to do that. We want to be full of joy and peace and freedom. And that's what happens when Jesus' people figure out that God owns it all and I've been put in charge of it and I, I live it, using it the way God wants me to. Look at how the psalm, this, there's lots of verses. Before I read this verse, the very first words of the Bible, which I'm not putting up on the wall. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The very first lines. Then we pick up Psalm 24, says it this way. Who owns it? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Verse 1, it's sort of a way of saying the same thing twice. Look at verse 2. For he founded it, built it, established it on the seas and on the waters. And established it on the waters. God owns it. It's just that simple. And you and I are being invited as Jesus followers to find out how that, what the implication of this might mean for us in our lives right now today in the real world that we live in. <clears throat> Excuse me. Got another text coming. This, this is Deuteronomy. Genesis is the first book of the Bible. Deuteronomy is the fifth. And it means, and it's a bunch of speeches that Moses is giving the people of Israel. But look at this part. You, here's where I really, here's where I, where I said God owns it all, and I'm like this already, not liking that. I think, well, no, 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 it's mine. <clears throat> Watch that the writer, the, the, the Bible anticipated my stubborn stiff neck. You may say, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. You with me? You starting to feel like you're at home already, huh? I'm the one that did this, okay? But remember, the Lord your God, remember him, for it's he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant. And covenant here means God's relationship with us. God said, I will love you and I will bless you. But with the blessing, you're supposed to be the manager of it, the steward of it. And you're supposed to go and bless every nation on the earth. It's not for me to keep. It's not a clenched hand. It's an open hand. I flourish so that others can flourish. God owns it all. And if that's the case, and it is, then you and I budget all that we have, so that we can be blessed and then flourish so that others can experience it. So he, just to say this about this, my power produced it. 
my, the strengths of my hands have made this wealth happen. Here's, here's what the Bible is trying to say about the person who sits in that position. You ready? The Bible is trying to say to you, you were born on third base, but you think you hit a triple. Some of you didn't even catch that. <laughs> there would have been more laughs if you caught it. So I'm going to repeat it. The Bible is telling you that all you have was given to you. You didn't earn it. That's the given to you, born on third base, earn it, triple. We good now? <clears throat> Excuse me. Just, just doing this and cracking the jokes, wearing me out. <laughs> But remember the Lord your God. We're being begged. God is almost begging us to love him back. Man, you, you didn't do this. He's, he's not saying you're not talented. Look around. High capacity? Are you kidding me? This, this family, this first Presbyterian family, oh my gosh, are we high capacity? But start doing the question, but I got this from them, and they got it from them, and they got it from them. You start doing regression and saying how I got where I am and start thinking about who contributed and who, who made things available to you, et cetera. I don't care if you pulled yourself up by your bootstraps. You still have somebody to thank. And ultimately, you end up in Genesis 1. God created heaven and earth, or you end, up in, you end up in Psalm 24. The earth and everything in it is God's. He owns it. I'll finish reading this text. Um, where am I? It's coming up. Uh, he swore, he swore, God, remember God, for it's he who gives you all this ability to produce the wealth. And it, this confirms his covenant, his love for us, his promise to bless us so that we can be a blessing. Our ability to make things happen is we're managers. We get to live into God's purposes with it. That's what all this is about. Now, here's the part that's going to bother you a little bit. He swore all this to your ancestors, to Moses talking to the people of Israel. God promised them, and I'm just reminding you, the promise is still good. He swore all this, but look what happens. If you forget, uh-oh, not going to go well. If you forget the Lord your God, if you break your relationship with God, if you decide that being in covenant love with God is no longer your first priority, if that's what happens to us, that's what this means. If you forget the Lord your God and follow other gods, back in those days, folks worshipped what they thought was the God of the sun, the God of fertility, the God of the moon, the God of storms, the God of lightning. We, we worship a different kind of gods today. Little g, power, material things, sex, influence, prestige. That's the kind of stuff that sucks us away from the covenant love that we have with God. I'm just speaking personally. I don't know what, well, I don't know what tempts you. But that's the kind of stuff that would tempt me. <clears throat> if you forget your God and follow other gods and bow to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed. Ooh, we don't like reading that. There's another line. Like the nations the Lord destroyed before you, so you will be destroyed for not being your... Lord, so in those days, destroy meant literal military collapse and loss. That's not what happens for us because we're not, we're not vulnerable militarily. 
Here's what I think it means for us. Destroy means I'm living my life if I break covenant God for no one or no thing other than myself. Other than myself. Destroyed means I am self-focused. And a life lived to myself ultimately leaves me alone. And that's a modern form of destruction. I'm here on my own by myself and whatever I can do with it. If God and covenant with God, I kick, jettison, get rid of, then I'm left with me, whatever I can do with it. <clears throat> so that's why we talk about I was broke, but now I'm not. <laughs> so that's just another way of saying, hey, you got to have a budget. I mean, you don't get spiritual budget? Absolutely. I mean, this dichotomy of spiritual and non-spiritual, let it go. It's not, it's not in our learning from bi the Bible. Everything, the Lord made everything and all that's in the earth, including our budgets, our revenue. <clears throat> so this trellis represents our relationship with God and all the things we do with it. And what God wants for us to do is to win with our budgets. How can we win with finances? That's what we're trying to get to. We want to win with having a way of saying, I've discovered that my life is, is at peace and I have joy and I have freedom. Why? Because I'm trying to live by a budget. Now, if you don't want to follow a budget, and many of us don't, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand and say, I don't have a budget and I don't follow it. There's four or five things. There's lots of things that can happen to you. I want you to notice that none of these are good. <clears throat> if you don't follow a budget, here's what can happen. You can lose track of your spending, and you just simply don't have any idea what things cost you. Okay? Very practical. That's what happens if we don't have a budget. If you don't have a budget, and this, that's not good, by the way. At least for me, it wouldn't be good. If you don't have a budget, you can fall short on savings. And why do we save? Well, we have emergencies. We're trying to put a kid through college. Maybe we're thinking about retirement. Maybe you don't own a home yet and you're trying to save to own a home. If you don't have a budget, then you're probably not going to be saving enough to accomplish any of those other things that you already know you want. That's not good. If you don't have a budget, I bet you 10 bucks you got credit card debt. And if you, if, you, if you don't have a budget, you just lost the bet, and now your credit card debt add 10 bucks to it because I won your 10 bucks. Here's another thing about it. If I don't have a budget, I may lose focus on my goals. And here, here's what inevitably happens to us. We start looking at other people, and we play the deadly comparison game, and then we buy something like they have and we couldn't afford it to start with. And the fifth one is stressed out. It's anxiety. It's tension. Financial tension is a heavy contributor to marriages that don't work. Well, that's kind of a bummer going through all that list. Let me stop and see what I was going to do next. <laughs> I want to tell you about Kathy and me. 
I got time, too. Here you go. You don't come out looking as good as normal you do in this one. I just want you to know that. <laughs> uh, 25 or 30 years ago, I had Quicken. You remember Quicken? I had 79 lines in my budget. And that sounds like I was all mature and following Jesus and everything else. No, I wasn't. I was a terrorist. <laughs> and you know who I terrorized the most? Me. I was scared. I wasn't free. I gave money away, but it wasn't, it was just on the, it's not, and I, my heart was in that, but it, I, I was, I don't know why. I don't know why. I, it was insecurity, just financial insecurity. And I don't, I'm not going to bore you with my family of origin issues. But it's just leave it to say that divorce and alcoholism, one of the ways that I responded was to feel insecure about money. So I ground. I had a, I've had a job since I was in the sixth grade, personally. I've never not worked since the sixth grade. So I've never been in trouble financially because I learned early on not to buy something unless I could afford it. And I wasn't crazy, so I didn't do anything to buy something I couldn't afford and get myself into financial trouble. Knock on wood. I haven't yet. So that's a little bit what happened to me. So I would just grind myself and grind and grind and grind. And this is the side part where she doesn't look too good. During that, I would call a budget meeting once a year. She never attended a single meeting. It's the truth. I'm not exaggerating. I had legal paper like this once, and I had pulled off of my Quicken all of the things that had to do with gifts, that is, gifts that we give for, like we had kids and birthday parties and Christmas and all that kind of stuff, not charitable giving, but giving, gifts. And I had it on a legal page, and we were driving back from North Carolina, and I tricked her, and I pulled it out. Let's have a budget meeting. <laughs> so she was interested in talking about gifts, but that was it. No, no other meeting did she ever show up for. <laughs> You're cute. <laughs> <coughs> Personal growth, though, for Kathy and me changed dramatically. So with, by, because of the way I was raised, I was in the habit of living within my means. And nothing happened that was an emergency to us yet that, that caused us to have to go get everything we could get. So we just have been, have, have been fortunate in that sense. So... I uh, live within my means, but, but this grinding on the budget and insecurity. What happened is you people started talking at First Presbyterian Church 10 or 12 years ago about generosity. And I started listening. And then I started reading my Bible a little bit differently. And I discovered that generosity was something I needed to start all over with. So I did. We did. And what happens now is... Um, it's going to sound a little bit like I'm bragging, and I guess I am. I mean this in all humility. What Kathy and I did 10 or 11 or 12 years ago, I started looking at percentages on my budget because I had one. It was 79 items. And our giving was at 2 or 3%. And out of joy, we began to push that number up. Now, you hear the word tithe, and that's 10%. And I said, well, I want to beat that because I'm competitive. So over the course of these years, we, we sort of kept giving and giving and so built a budget where giving came first. So I had no debt, and we were pretty good about saving. So it was giving and then saving and then spending. And so Kathy and I, I in November of this year, 
I built the giving budget. She, she lets me do all this. She doesn't like numbers. I told you already she wouldn't attend a budget meeting. She likes the giving budget meeting. She likes that one. So we built the budget in November for 2022. And then the, the taxes, I'm going to take them to my guy soon. I think our number was more like 11 or 12%. It's just, I just freedom, fun. I'm not uptight anymore. I'm not terrorizing Kathy. I'm not terrorizing myself. It's just the grace of God. And the fact of the matter is, I, freedom and joy and peace, the instrument that gets them going is giving. So I, you're broke maybe and you don't want to be. It's going gonna, it's gonna to have to involve realizing that God gave everything and he gives it to you and he wants you to flourish, but he wants you to make a difference in the world. And you know what? We love making differences. Wasn't it just to see the Presbyterian Disaster Assistance Program show up and where you can go? What they're going to do, by the way, is they're going to help with refugees. They're going to be there when people cross the border. And I promise you, these people do not waste your money. They do not. There's not we're already paying for the infrastructure. So there's a little bit of uh, administration in it. But this is a trustworthy way to make a gift if you want to do that. We, you and I want to make a difference that matters. We, we want to make a difference that lasts. I have one more text I wanted to kick around with you a little bit. We can take a look at this. Some of it's pretty familiar to you. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. <clears throat> Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Just let me say a couple of things about that before we move. The word for store up is the word from, you get the English word thesaurus. Okay, so, so pronouncing the verb the sarizo, the sarizo. I'm putting. <laughs> so it just means it means to stockpile. Okay, so don't stockpile stuff. And so in that culture, moths could get a hold of clothing and textile kind of art articles and eat them up, or where vermin could get a hold of things and there'd be corrosion and rust and all that kind of stuff. And then thieves could break in. It, this, in other words, B and E in those days, was just digging a hole in the wall because the bricks hadn't been fired in ovens. So you could literally dig a hole through it. So you, you, moths can't eat your t stuff, vermin can't tear it up, and thieves can't do a B and E on you. Uh, I'm sorry, don't, don't buy, just put all your treasure into that. Don't stockpile that kind of stuff, and, and we keep going. But invest, stockpile in, in heaven. And what heaven is, heaven is not a place. Heaven is a relationship with whom? The almighty God of the universe. Invest in relationship with God, says Jesus. Budget so that your money helps you relate to God and helps others relate to God. It doesn't mean we don't have houses and schools and all that kind of stuff. It just means budget so that you can be a part of God's big thing. So on, on, I keep reading, what happens in heaven? Ain't no moths, ain't no vermin, ain't no kleptos. The Greek word, by the way, is klep, K-L-E-P. That's why I said that. You can't, it can't, you can't steal from God. And then this line that maybe you've heard before that, that kicks it, look at verse 21. For where your treasure is, 
And here that word means our material possessions. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. A couple of ways that you could take that. Where we invest our treasure reveals the commitments of who we are. And, and so that's one way of taking it. The place where we invest our treasure, it reveals who we are. But it also could say that our, heart, our hearts were, will follow I'm, if I put my money somewhere, my heart will follow it. It's both revealing. I think it's both. I think this means both. It reveals who we are, but it also shows wh what direction we're going in. And I want to be a person that wants to be invested in relationships with God and with each other. And I want my resources to head in that direction. So how can we, how can we finish this morning? I want to suggest to you that this. You don't have to be wealthy to be generous. This will tweet. You ready? You don't have to be wealthy to be generous. You have to be generous to be generous. And we have to be engaged in something bigger than ourselves because if it's only self, what I said earlier was, if my life is built around self, then I ultimately what I end up with is just me. I'm alone. And I don't want to be that, neither do you. We have to invest our lives in something transcendent or in someone transcendent. <clears throat> it's, it's just such a powerful, Jesus followers are givers. Takers always lose. Givers always win. Jesus followers are givers. That's who we are, brothers and sisters. It's not, tr this, this generosity thing is not transactional. It's transformational. It's relational. And the only way to enjoy the fullness of the peace and joy of the Almighty God is to realize that God owns it all and we give back. So, I'm going to finish just making a couple of statements. This is the prayer. God, show me how to invest and in whom to invest. Show me how and in whom. Friends, that's a prayer God simply can't wait to answer. It's a spiritual discipline. Take your name off of it and come staple it up on the trellis. <laughs> Build a budget. Love God with everything you have, including your resources that are material. I'm going to pray. Gracious God, we, we were given a lot, and maybe we're even resistant to thinking, I owe anybody anything. It's not like I owe you. It's a joy, and it was yours to start with. I want to be a person who has peace and joy and freedom from knowing that everything that I've been given was really yours that you entrusted to me. And man, then life really starts to be fun. Thank you, God, that we're your people and we have all kinds of challenges and we got things that we did that we maybe shouldn't have done, but now here we are. We're just showing up, and we want to get it right, and we want to be more at ease, and we want to have less tension and less anxiety, and we want to be more at peace. 
and help us, God, to see that just the ordinary routine every day of having some kind of an outline for how we're going to use what we have, help us to see that that leads us to the peace of being transformed by your presence. We want to invest in you and in your kingdom and in your purposes. And that's why we're going to take on the challenge of building budgets and understanding them to be a spiritual discipline. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, everyone.